also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. And here's the final verse. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I just uh, am going to talk for a few moments this morning on the topic, a holy ground moment. A holy ground moment. Father, thank you for this uh, encounter. Thank you, Lord, that we can glean from it. Thank you, Lord, that you're here in our midst to open our eyes and ears and minds and hearts so that we can hear and see, understand, and receive uh, your word this morning. Thank you for this faithful family that's come to share together and worship in the word. Speak to us, we pray, in the moments we have together. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise God. One of the evident truths of our Christian faith is the simple fact that God is everywhere. Theologians call it the omnipresence of God. But here and there and now and then throughout Scripture, we find descriptions and noteworthy invasions of the divine. They come into ordinary lives in extraordinary ways. And I think one of the best known displays of this in scripture is this encounter between God and Moses here on Mount Horeb, a.k.a. Sinai. I find it interesting that many of the ancients viewed mountains as holy places, sacred places. They said where the gods or higher powers would dwell. Uh, for many of the ancients throughout history, mountaintops, I've read, were actually places just kind of best left alone. I recently read that very few Native American artifacts, for example, have been found on mountaintops. I read where, you know, uh, seems to be the highest peak in northeastern U.S. is, is Mount Washington in New Hampshire. It's uh, notorious for its erratic weather. But Mr. Darby Field, who was the first European to climb Mount Washington all the way back in 1642, he could only convince one of his 26 Indian scouts to climb the mountain with him. They believed that mountain ground, maybe sacred and holy ground, and could become dangerous ground. Now on Mount Horeb, Moses finds himself on mountainous, but yet holy ground. 
It became this sacred space where heaven and earth met. Today you might ask, well, Pastor, where would you call holy ground today? Well, can you find it on your latest iPhone map app? Let's Google Earth it. Uh, the truth is the location of holy ground is shared in the text, and it's simply this. Holy ground is wherever God's presence is. Amen. Now, another question is, when was the last time we truly experienced a holy ground moment? Have you ever experienced the presence of God in a particular place in a particular time and you knew without a doubt you were standing on holy ground? Yay? Nay? If you've experienced a holy ground moment, how did you respond? What did you do? What did you say? Here in our text, Moses records what he did, what he said during his holy ground moment. And so I'd like for us to glean from Moses' holy ground moment so that we can, I, I really think we could have our own. Huh? You really believe that? In life, we can miss a lot of things, but one thing you don't want to miss is your holy ground moment. Listen to me. I want to share three simple observations, and then we'll be done. Uh, number one, I want to say a holy ground moment is a place where the voice of God is heard. Secondly, we're going to talk about the holy ground moment is a place where the vision of God is revealed. Thirdly, I'm going to say a holy ground moment is a place where the victory of God is assured. All right, so that's where we're going. Let's go back to point number one. We'll start there. It's always a good place to start. A holy ground moment is a place where the voice of God is is heard. Now, for 80-year-old Moses, it started out as just another ordinary work day, keeping an eye on his father-in-law's flock as they searched for green pastures on the side of Mount Horeb. Moses, by this time, had been away from Egypt for about 40 years. He had had a family by now. He's probably by this time, Brother Fraley, looking forward to retirement. Hmm? Taking it easy. Why, he probably had engraved on his shepherd's staff something like, I'd rather be fishing. But all of a sudden, something catches Moses' eye. He sees an ordinary desert bush set ablaze with fire. Now, that was not that unusual of a sight, given where he was. They tell us that bushes could uh, become so dry and the sun so hot that they would sometimes self-combust. 
But the difference with this bush was that it did not seem to get consumed. No ashes were being generated by its burning. It was so intriguing that Moses felt he must investigate further, and so he began to approach the bush. And as he did, that's when the voice, somebody say the voice, the voice of God called to him from within the bush saying, Moses, Moses. Now, a voice calling you by your name from a bush gets your attention. Hello. I believe right then Moses knew he was in the presence of someone much greater than himself. And so he responds, oh, here am I. This attention-grabbing, name-calling voice was one of the things that made the real estate that Moses was standing on holy ground. That day, Mount Horeb became a holy place by the voice of God that rang throughout it. And have you, let me ask you, have you heard the voice of God? I don't just mean audibly. An audible sound is great, but how many know it's not necessarily the only way to hear the voice of God? God can speak the language of the heart so clearly that you know you have heard him speak ever so softly to your heart, but yet clearly. Has God ever called you by name? I believe he still calls people by name. I believe he still calls people to salvation, to service, and to separation from their path. I still believe God calls by name those who he wants to listen to him. So wherever you were when you heard God speak to you, that was holy ground. Everybody say holy ground. All right, next, God's voice quickly warns Moses not to come any closer, but to take off his what? Take off your shoes. Why? Because you are standing on holy ground. Now, this became Moses' holy ground moment because I said God was there, and God is holy, and where God is present is holy ground. I've read that the Latin word sanctus, meaning holy, is where we get our word sanctuary. A sanctuary simply means a container for holy things. This room has been called a sanctuary because it has been set apart as a place uh, to some degree to contain a small portion of the presence of God. Right? I felt him in here earlier. And to be honest, there is nothing intrinsically holy about this room. How many know that? Huh? There is nothing intrinsically holy about Mount uh, uh, Horeb, for that matter. They became holy ground. This room becomes holy ground because God manifests his presence here. And this is why I think we as a church family should be careful as to what goes on in this room. We meet God here, and, and here is where he reveals himself to us through prayer and singing and Bible proclamation and giving and serving together. I feel that too often in our present 
church culture, we minimize God's holiness to maximize our own comfort and convenience. Huh? But God cannot be any less holy than he is, or he would not be God. So God has destined for each of us a holy ground moment in which we uh, can experience him peel back the noise of postmodern culture uh, and reveal to us his life-changing, life-transforming voice. Now, before we go on to point two, let me make a couple smaller observations here because holy ground moments have something in common. Uh, they, they are rare, right? But we all need them. I think even Christ himself had a holy ground moment there in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a time and place where he intersected with his destiny and had the opportunity to accept or decline what the Father was requesting of him. And we all have those strategic intersections, I believe, in our lives. These are places, these are moments that shape our future. And if we will turn aside and take a closer look and recognize them, they will change our lives. And it is here that the natural actually collides with the supernatural in a way that is completely unexpected, completely unexplainable, and yet undeniable. It is a place where we must make a decision to step into it or ignore it because there is no middle ground when it comes to holy ground. Oh, did you get that? Huh? Now, this idea of holy ground is not only confined to this chapter. I want you to think with me, besides in our text, it's used one other place in Joshua chapter 5 verse 15. Because here we find after Moses has died, Joshua, his assistant, is brought to, uh, before the presence of God, which is the commander of the Lord's host, if you remember that story, okay? Joshua was coming to bring the Israelites across the Jordan River and into or towards Jericho. And here he meets the commander of the armies of the Lord uh, who stands before him and speaks to Joshua. And in the text he says, uh, Joshua, remove your sandals from off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. Remember that? What do these two instances, Moses and Joshua, have in common? Well, first of all, they mark a time of transition. Okay, both Moses and Joshua were in a place of transition during these holy ground moments. Uh, God was inviting them into a new place, a higher place where they had not uh, yet envisioned. And, and that's holy ground moments. It's an in invitation to go to a new place in God. And Moses was given a, a word that he would lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, now Joshua has just taken the reins of leadership from Moses, uh, and he's now leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And it required that they leave behind who they used to be and walk into the purpose that God was presently revealing to them. And they had to see themselves and their callings in a new way once they had this holy ground moment. Little newsflash here, it's impossible to hold on to your past and pursue your future at the same time. 
Peter had to leave his fishing nets in order to follow Christ. Martha had to leave her busy housework in order to learn Christ's feet. Matthew, the tax collector, had to leave his politics. Nicodemus had to leave his traditional religion. They made their decision just like all of us have to when we have a holy ground moment. And that's the thing about holy ground moments. It requires a choice. It requires a decision to be made. God says there are two doors before you, but you can't really see which way they lead. The good news is, though, church, God actually tells us which door to choose. It's the door of obedience. He doesn't try to trick us. He points us to the way of the right choice, yet it's still not always easy. Abraham, uh, talk to him, he'd tell you it was not easy to go looking for a place uh, that he had never heard of before or had never been. Noah would tell you he had to build an ark uh, when it had never rained. Listen, it's not easy. Joshua was told uh, that the way to conquer the city of Jericho was to just simply walk around it with the worshipers and the Levites uh, leading the way. Listen, holy ground moments, uh, church, don't always make sense to the natural mind mind, but they are always rewarding. Secondly, they require humility. Both Moses and Joshua were required by God to remove their sandals. Hello? Huh? Take off your shoes. Because look here, the act of taking off a shoe in those days was used as a seal to bind an agreement. It also was a place of undress, being laid bare. And both cases apply because for as Moses and Joshua obeyed the instruction to remove their sandals, they showed agreement as they bound themselves to the word of God, as they removed themselves from their past. Listen, they were choosing a new road to walk, one they could not walk successfully in their past. Hello? And the direction to Moses to remove his shoes was no doubt in conformity with what was well known to Moses for having been brought up in Egypt. He would have known that the Egyptian priests observed that custom in their temples. Today, it's observed in all the eastern countries, if you've ever been there, where the people take off their shoes before they enter the synagogue or, or a mosque as a confession of personal defilement as a confession of, of conscious unworthiness to stand in the presence of unblemished holiness. I remember entering the Dome of the Rock on the Mount, uh, uh, Temple Mount in Jerusalem back in 1998, I believe it was, 99, excuse me, and everyone who entered had to leave their shoes outside. So Moses responds by not only removing his shoes, but also by hiding his face, which was a sign that he understood he was in the presence of divine majesty. Huh? And was conscious of his own sinfulness, conscious of his own unworthiness. And verse 6 reveals that Moses was afraid to even look toward 
the presence of God. You know, church, I was thinking this week, reverence is not something that our generation does well with. We've become a very frivolous and casual generation. We seem to have lost the capacity to reverence the holy things. Hello. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor. Okay, I'll preach a little more. Taking off your shoes was a visible sign of reverence. I don't know what would be most appropriate for you and how you would reverence God, but I have found when I have a holy ground moment, sometimes I bow my head. Huh? Sometimes I bow my knee. If kneeling or bowing your head or, or maybe it's shouting or maybe it's crying, maybe you need to let the tears roll. Whatever is the appropriate thing for you to do, you need to do it. Huh? All I know is that when you experience a holy ground moment, there will be some kind of reverent response to the presence of God because holy ground moments demand reverent response. Holy ground moments demand that we remove our shoes. We discard that which comes between us and God's holiness. And in that light, maybe we need to take off the shoes of pride. Maybe we need to take off the shoes of selfishness. Maybe we need to unlatch the shoes of anger and the shoes of greed or the shoes of lust or the shoes of jealousy or the shoes of bitterness or the shoes of hatred or the shoes of revenge or the shoes of materialism. I don't know what shoe you need to remove this morning, but when you get into that holy ground, when you find that presence, those shoes are going to come off. Why? Because a holy ground moment demands reverence. Raise your hands and praise him. God's holiness will change us only when we come in contact with it. That's the idea. He didn't want those sandals separating Moses' flesh from the very presence of God. I got to go on number two. My goodness. I got to hurry. Number two, a holy ground moment is a place where the vision of God is revealed. Now, I believe that an essential truth about all divine encounters is that they always come with a reason and a purpose attached to them. See, they are always attached to a call to cooperate with the vision, the plan, and the purpose of God. Holy ground moments are not just information about God, but rather an invitation from God to join Him in His work. God takes this holy ground moment to the next level when he looks at Moses out of the burning bush and he says, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying in the night. I have considered their suffering and I have come down to rescue them. And guess what? I am sending you. Oh, whoa, wait a minute, God. Huh? 
Yeah, this is the thrust of the passage. God is calling Moses to be the human instrument for the deliverance of his people. Listen, this incident is an invitation from God to Moses to join him in what he is doing. And so in response, you know the story, Moses begins to offer all kinds of excuses. Huh? Tries to get himself off the hook. But you know what I love? That God never refuted Moses' excuses or his alibis. You know what he did? He ignored them. He simply ignored it. Huh? Has God ever come? Has God ever asked you to join him in an assignment? Has God ever invited you to join in something he's doing? Wherever you were, that was a holy ground moment. Huh? You know, we live in a time when many f folks drift through life. They, they have no known purpose. Hello. We've got a generation that is chasing every fashion and fad. Huh? Only to experience emptiness and dissatisfaction over and over again. Huh? What they need is simply a holy ground moment where God reveals some direction and places a call on their lives. Listen, anytime God issues a personal command or calling to any one of his children, that is a holy ground moment. All right, number three. A holy ground moment is a place where the victory of God is assured, and I'm going to put this on there, even before the battle begins. Hallelujah. Notice in verse 12, God told Moses from the burning bush, he says, and after the Israelites are delivered by your hand, he said, you will return to this very mountain of the Lord to worship. Oh, how many know sometime later, that's exactly what happened? Huh? Moses no doubt questioned the divine prediction when he's getting chased out of Pharaoh's palace. Huh? When his life is being threatened, he probably had to remind himself of that very prophecy more than once, saying, okay, God, it's not looking good here. This Pharaoh's heart keeps getting hard. Huh? It's not looking good and favorable. It's actually looking pretty grim. But yet he recalls, wait a minute, God told me these folks are coming out. And we're going to have a worship service in the very mountain that he called me to Ha, Moses found God to be a promise keeper. And notice God even said what the delivered Israelites was going to do once they had been liberated from Egypt. You're going to have a worship service right here on this mountain real estate. And he said they would worship me. Listen, I've found that holy ground moments often hinge on worship. Huh? 
Worship is never far away from a holy ground moment, church. I said worship is usually connected to a holy ground moment. And when Joshua had his holy ground moment too, the Lord instructed the Israelites to shout a shout of joyful worship and victory before the walls of Jericho ever fell. It was a prophetic act that was going to be done before they saw the victory. It was in anticipation of the victory, and it was a prophetic act. And the reason for this is because we need to realize that our God always wins. I said our God always wins. He's never lost a battle. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in here. I said he always wins. And listen, oh, the trio sung it. And I say amen, Sister C.C. Winans, in that latest album, Never Lost a Battle. She sung that in three months after its release. It had over a million views on YouTube. That means the last three months, over three million folks have been reminded our God is is always winning battles. I said he's never lost one and he's not going to start. Praise God. Woo. Oh, somebody ought to say praise God. How can a king never Lose a battle. It's because he has no equal. I said he has no equal to challenge his sovereignty. Huh? Although we know this truth by the fact of history and the choice of our faith, but our experience in this life can make us doubt sometimes. Huh? It makes us look like we're losing Sometimes our limited perspective creates doubt. It creates discouragement. Uh, and But allow me to encourage you this morning, Broadway. If you are a born-again child of God, you are on the winning side. You have always... God has revealed the last chapter of history. Listen, there is no need to doubt how this thing is going to end. After the apocalypse, the book of Revelation proclaims God and his people are victorious. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to think about a time in your life that you were worried. Think about a time in your life when you were anxious. Think about a time in your life where you wondered if things were going to end up turning out okay. Maybe it was transitioning from middle school to high school, youngins. Maybe it was asking someone if they will marry you. Listen, maybe it was saying yes to the call of God. Maybe it was choosing whether or not to have a surgery. Listen, whatever it was for you, I want you to picture the days and the weeks or the months leading up to, up to that anxious moment. Huh? Let yourself here this morning feel the feelings again just for a moment uh, because they are exhausting. Huh? Aren't they stressful? Aren't they difficult? Huh? 
Perhaps someone here this morning is in the middle of such a moment right now. Okay? Now that you've imagined the stress, uh, I want you to imagine something a little different. Uh, I want you to imagine that before you began to feel any of that stress or that anxiety of that situation, I want you to imagine that some divine being came to you in advance uh, and explained exactly how everything was going to go down and sat there and helped you see that there will be a positive outcome. Boy, now, wouldn't that change everything in your life? Uh, listen, uh, you wouldn't have to worry. You wouldn't have to cry. You wouldn't have to get sick at your stomach. Uh, you wouldn't lose sleep uh, and have constant headaches. Uh, listen, you would be able to move forward confidently uh, and peacefully knowing that victory was certain. Listen, what a different type of life uh, that the future knowledge would allow us to have well, to be honest, that's what will happen when you have a holy ground moment. God will assure you of the victory even before your battle begins. Hallelujah. I better get on my shoes here. Huh? Praise God. Listen, I want to show you something real quick. Because... I want you to see from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we see God, and he is towering above all others. Huh? And what do you find? You find him being triumphant. You find him being glorious. So somebody ought to realize that, and you can even shout before your battle's over. Huh? Woo! Because you've had a holy ground moment, huh? And that holy ground moment cannot be explained or understood, but it cannot be denied. They are moments when God shows up and we are changed. Great pastor David Wilkerson said, I quote, he said, God can't use a man until he gets him on holy ground. Huh? And he goes on to say, a holy ground God must have a holy man on holy ground. I'm trusting God will bring some young folks, hello, and some more of us mature folks to some holy ground moments this week at Camp Blessing. Huh? It may not be as dramatic as a burning bush, but listen, it may be as simple and yet eternal as someone giving their life to Christ. It may be as dynamic as somebody being filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost. For many, Camp Blessing has long been a place of holy ground. Huh? Listen, many have felt the presence of God. Many have heard Heard the voice of God. Many have answered the call of God right there at Camp Blessing. And I'm praying that God will allow Camp Blessing to be a place, a holy setting filled with holy services where God invites us to turn aside and to look deeper as he beckons us to embrace our own personal holy ground moment. 
Hallelujah. Somebody say, God, I need a holy ground moment. I desire a holy ground moment. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Huh? Trio, would you come back a minute? Huh? Listen. Jaron Davis wrote that song. As I walked through the door, I sensed his presence. I knew this was the place where love abounds. For this is the temple Jehovah God abides here. And we are standing in his presence. What's he say? On holy ground. Oh, you remember that one? Huh? We are standing on holy ground. Stand with me. And I know there's angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now. Huh? We are standing in his presence on holy ground. Huh? I want you to go back and I want you to share with us the bridge. All right, Sister Katrina. Huh? It went so well with that last point of the sermon. How long has it been since you had a holy ground moment? How long? I want you to begin to pray right now all over the house and say, God, I need that holy ground moment. I need that holy ground moment. Can I hear somebody say, I need a holy ground moment? Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I need a holy ground moment. Why? Because some of you are in a battle. Or some of you are looking at your future and God is not even on your radar. Like Moses. He's, I said he's probably ready for retirement. But God came to him and said, I have a work for you to do. Oh, hallelujah. And you may hear the voice of God. You may answer the call of God. And you're filled with anxiety because you don't know how it's going to turn out. But I want you to realize, go ahead. Go ahead and rejoice and shout before the battle's ever over. Why? Because if God called you, he's going to equip you. I said if God called you, he's going to equip you. And whatever battle he's called you to fight, he's already recorded the victory. I said he's already recorded the victory. So raise your hands and say, God, I'm going to shout before the battle is ever over. Just like the children of Israel did before the walls fell. Somebody worship. Somebody praise him right here this morning. Worship him, church. Worship him, church. Because worship is always connected with a holy ground moment. Sing it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Worship him, church. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Just worship him. Worship him. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I 
I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. Anybody want to join me? Anybody want to join me around the front and say, I'm ready for holy ground moment? Anybody want to pray for a holy ground moment this week? Step out of your seat, raise your hands, and let's petition the Father. He will speak to you. He'll speak to you Monday, Tuesday night. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. You can do all things. You can do all things, but they'll cause you never lost a battle. No, you never lost a battle. And I know, I know, you never will. You can do all things. You can do all things, but fail. Cause you never lost a battle. No, you never lost a battle. And I know, I know, you never will. Have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can shout now. Don't have to wait till the battle's over. I can.